0: Welcome to the Line Break Podcast. My name is Chris Corlew, and with me, as always, is my friend and co-host, Bob Sikora. I'm
1: here. Hello, hello.
0: He is here. Uh, This week, continuing our uh, Monster Month theme, we are talking about genre and expressness. Ekphrasis, ekphrasis, ekphrasis. (laughs) No one knows how to pronounce it. It's true. It's documented fact. Nobody in the history of the world has ever pronounced it correctly. Um, But ekphrasis is traditionally defined as a verbal description of a work of art. And genre is more of a set of generally agreed upon conventions used to inform a piece of art. Both, though, signify art talking about art, which I've always found to be an interesting way to think about writing. Since we're talking monsters and horror and spooky things this month, this conversation feels particularly apt. Horror is constantly gesturing towards its predecessors. We've had 800 different adaptations of Frankenstein, and even Frankenstein is something of a literary descendant of Satan from Paradise Lost. I think this is an interesting technique for writing. Look to your ancestors, copy what they did, and then make it your own. Hunter S. Thompson typed out Fitzgerald and Hemingway to see what they were getting at. Anne Carson wrote a novel around Stesichorus fragments, and the poem I'm reading today is literally a description of a Lon Cheney movie. Personally, I find this to be an extremely useful es- exercise. Sometimes the best cure for writer's block is reading. In the specific context of horror, I think there's a push now to not merely regurgitate the past, scream roasted every slasher movie made by its own director, the Cabin in the Woods lovingly eviscerated the films that films that involved the, the, the genre that the title is talking about, and Jordan Peele's career seems to be dedicated to injecting new life into horror while winking and nodding and generally paying homage to the genre. This, of course, is a lot. So, Bob, what do you think about using art to influence art, and do you ever work in any type of genre?
1: Oof. That is a lot, turns out. <laughs> <laughs> talking genre, we're talking ecfrasis. Uh Now I don't remember how I said to pronounce it before we started. Um, but I guess uh, as I was is kind of thinking about what you had to say there, um, I mean, it did for me think a lot about, in poetry, how important tradition is even Um, if it is bucking the tradition, um, is that so much um, of poetic work uh, is in conversation with itself and with its predecessors and ancestors. Um, So I think on a a very general level, I participate in that. Um, I have very rarely tried, I don't know, I think true, I don't want to say anything's true or right or correct, um, but, you know, um, ekphrasis. um, picking a particular type of art, a particular artwork, and and trying to work with it. Not to say that I, I think, not to say that I don't pull from other things and like use that as a starting point. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm thinking, and it's funny because we're we're both looking at much more interesting versions of this. But I'm thinking of um, shoot, classic classic poet. Oh, it's totally gone. But you know, a, a very. Um, dry uh the title of the poem is the painting and here i'm going to write this poem about the painting right which, which has turned out really wonderful many a time yeah. um but you know like you know that's that's a a, a very narrow way of thinking about a crassus i think
0: um yeah i've definitely as an exercise gone to an art museum right and just like yeah like scribble down some thoughts based on a painting and then kind of written around it before
1: right yeah um and i i very much agree that like that's Definitely an exercise to, like, get some gears going, and it could turn into something really cool.
0: Wait, were you thinking of Ode to a Urn? No,
1: because I like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that one, you know, as much as, who wrote that? Was it Coleridge? That's, Was that? that's Keats, I think. Keats, yeah. Um, Keats. As, much, as much shit as I talk on the Romantics, I, I do like that one. <laughs> yeah, I do like
1: that one. I'm thinking of, this is going to drive me so crazy. I'm thinking of Auden. I don't like much Auden. I'm going to say that and immediately regret it, so I'm going to completely take that back. Auden is great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mostly unfamiliar with Auden. Um, Um, Yeah. yeah, Now now I'm struggling to think about my feelings on Auden. All this is leading to, more importantly, um, genre, uh, which I am a huge fan of. I, I like stuff that... Has you know a, a set of, of tropes and expectations and and plays with it and works within that. I, I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a cool thing that exists. Sure, but yeah. I, um, I certainly haven't participated in it very much.
0: Yeah, it occurs to me now that um I haven't read very much genre poetry
1: because poetry always resists it's absolutely going to resist that. <laughs> poetry always you know, resists yeah you know, and
0: all. yeah it's and, and but even in my in my fiction I I never want to be I never want to be pigeonholed as a genre writer in fiction mm-hmm. but I would it is aspirational for me to like be like you know the Jordan Peele thing of like this is a horror story or this is a uh, well that's probably the only genre I really participate in <laughs> this is a horror story but it's not like it, doesn't, it brushes up against conventions and it does, like, mean, right. you know, it, it resists like right. does.
1: Yeah. So that, like, right. opens up the conversation of, like, what is quote-unquote, like, literary fiction? In what ways does genre fiction, um, like, not actually fall into that? Or what, where do they cross over? Um, I know for myself, that conversation is kind of, like, most pertinent in my mind um, in terms of science fiction where there's a ton of it that I think it can be um conceptually really interesting there could be a good story there could be lots of good stuff going on um but that sometimes it just like so falls into the tropes and it's it's more about the genre than it is actually about the plot the character development all the good stuff that i really want um yeah fantasy i think that that comes to mind too where sometimes the writer is much more interested in what the genre has to offer but even that, as I'm like saying all that stuff, I'm like, oh, but there's still cool stuff to mine. <laughs> In some, yeah, for
0: thing. sure. Yeah, I think yeah, it's it is. Um, as as we've mentioned on this podcast many many times, um, uh, you know it when you see it. But I do think that like there's a line where uh, you can tell the writer is like sacrificing. What you said, plot and character and mm-hmm. and, and story for the sake of hitting beats or um, genre tropes and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that can be kind of frustrating. That can be kind of like a, um, as you're reading, you're like, Oh, so this is the part where this happens, you know, that (laughs) that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but it doesn't mean that the, uh, those conventions aren't worth playing around in.
1: Absolutely. Um, the, The best description of this I've ever got, and this is, I'm going to mess it up, and it's because it's, like, secondhand from someone else who heard it from someone else, Um, but they're talking about how, like, you know, a genre piece, like, isn't doing everything, yeah, is is that it's overly invested in, like, the genre piece um, when you think of, and I've actually, I've never read a Tom Clancy novel, so I can't really help with this, but the way that, (laughs) in in a Tom Clancy novel, like, it's more invested in explaining to you what technology these Marines are using and what their guns are than... Like being an interesting character. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Or, or the same thing. I think in like a. And speaking of
0: books I've never read, uh, (laughs) is uh, is does this mean Herman Melville is a genre writer? He's more invested in those goddamn whales than he is.
1: Okay, Moby Dick is having a moment. Um.
0: Moby Dick is having a moment. I do want to. I really want to read it because everything everyone hates about it sounds like stuff I love. (laughs) Yeah, so he spent um, six hundred pages talking about the sea. And I'm like, yep, give it to me.
1: <laughs> well, I've just like seen multiple different people on Twitter who should not be doing the same thing at one time. Other than the fact they like books, I guess reading Moby Bit, Noby Dick, and they're all loving it. Um, right. And and like, legitimately, the story goes around Moby Dick is that it was like not popular at the time, was not one of Melville's successful things, and was like refound years later. Um, I don't know it's some Ivy League school probably um, in the library being like misplaced in like the science section of the library because it was so dry and so into the, the, the details and this you know whoever found it was like this is actually really thick like we should canonize this um, I do not so know that's, that's it's, true
0: it's Nabokov's wife fishing Lolita out of the trash can <laughs> I had no idea I had no I idea that's incredible. True.
1: No idea if that's true. I heard that story years ago, um, and I, l- I like it so much, I'm going to retell it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to choose to believe it.
1: <laughs> so, all right, um, well, we're
0: way, 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 way off so base. We're away. not even talking about poetry for, like, the last five minutes. So, Bob, do you have a poem?
1: <laughs> I found a poem today um, for our ekphrasis and genre conversation that I think um, does interesting stuff on, like, both of those categories – and I feel in multiple ways like unprepared um, or like the wrong person to, uh, to be sharing this poem because I have not read this full collection, Chase, uh, Chase Berggren's Red, uh, which is an uh, erasure, a book-length erasure of Bram Stoker's Dracula, um, but also because I have not read Bram Stoker's Dracula.
0: <laughs> um, oh, it's good. It's worth doing. It's, I, it's, it's really worth doing. I've thought about um, it before.
1: It just hasn't It's happened. a
0: little bit... It's sort of like it's sort of poetic because it it is a um, collection of fragments. It's a collection okay. of like uh, um, the way it's written. It's like uh, diary pieces and letters and newspaper clippings. And there's a term I'm forgetting for this, but um, yeah, it is a novel told in fragments. So it, it does kind of read a little bit poetically. Um, it's long. It's it's five 500- hundred. <laughs> pages or whatever it is but um and it's you know flowery in 19th century but it's 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 worth doing
1: that's so cool to me um i mean because i i feel the same way um about frankenstein we briefly talked about this last week but like i that's interesting to hear both of these like kind of classic horror novels fit into that where like in addition to you know working on this you know coming up you know being invested in this character that has gone well beyond just the book in terms of our popular imagination but that they're both kind of really interesting exercises in genre um, because Frankenstein has talked about like a big chunk of it's a letter. It has these like four frames. I think it's at least four frames. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, all right. Back. Let's get this poem. This is uh, yeah. chapter seven um, from red. The body of the storm had a sultry heat and a foreign foolhardiness Her undulating swell painted the distinct harmony of midnight on the level sands. Strong men clung with ghostly effort to their trembling experiments. The safety of the moment was swept away by her impossible speed. She was sea fog, a mass of dank mist, the organ of her shudder, her corpse swung to and fro, unsteered by the hand of a man, crashing down on the eastern side of some sudden emotion. On the pier, a small dead seaman was loudly asserting his details into the storm. She took all men into blue water, cum grano, We finished fresh. Dawn entered Bosphorus. Dissatisfied but steady. Something struck. Something awestruck. A rainstorm today began to scowl. There will be some trouble. The men will do some violence. A maelstrom. A tempest. Another tragedy. Only God can guide us in the fog, and God seems to have deserted us. It is nearly all over now. A raging blanket of despair, a secret sea had got rid of the men, one by one. God help these horrors, which the sunrise cannot pierce. I dared not go to die. My strength begins to fail. I am grown weaker the storm was sharp she dressed herself in her intention in sunbright foam, sunbright foam like snow she was restless at night she is quite odd she will admit she had a look that men said made them shudder she feels influences more acutely than other people she was angry howling harshly in a fury eyes, savage hairs bristling on the war path agonized, super sensitive the whole agglomeration of things, furious and now in terror will all afford material for her dreams
0: God, yeah Oh, man. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> so Bob! You keep bringing score. <laughs> such good poems. I literally bought this book after you sent me this poem. <laughs> <laughs> I love Dracula. I I love erasures Like oh man,
1: uh, let's start there. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask you about. Is like, uh, how do you feel about Erasure as a either an exercise or a mode of?
1: Um, of making art so definitely as an exercise a million percent i think um you can totally you know like i think on those especially like yeah just imagine like a day where writing is hard like you a great place to make something happen you know right both because it gets you to read something which might get the muscles moving but also because you can like make something which is great um uh i'm at least on some level, a skeptic, apparently because I'm skeptical of frickin' everything, um, <laughs> but I guess I'm skeptic in the sense that, like, I think to do it well is very, very difficult. Um, oh, 100%.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, like,
1: yeah. it's... And, like, part of that's, I guess, maybe part of the the disconnect and, and the temptation there is that it is easy to take a page of a book, do an erasure, and I have a poem, you know? right. But for right, that right. to be an interesting poem and a poem that excites me... Um, I think sure as hell it takes a lot of work, um, and why this is so exciting is that it's so successful.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 one hundred percent. I think it's um, for me doing an erasure is always uh, a useful writing exercise. Like, like, like you mentioned, like a, you know, it's it's a, it's a thing you can do in an afternoon, and then, like you have a poem. Um, but when you go back and do the edit, it is hard to. It's hard to feel confident that like you made this poem you know what i mean mm, right um, yeah and um i think this poem's super successful in that and like part of it is like it's dracula which i haven't read for maybe 15 years at this point but you know really love i, I i've certainly watched the movies over and over again and i am <laughs> a fan of fan, fan of the book but um i haven't actually read the book I don't think since, like, freshman or sophomore year of college. And, you know, it was written in the 19th century. It was uh, – and it – in my memory, it it, it reads like it was written in the 19th century. And uh, a little flowery, you know, and there's, like, Victorian prudishness and stuff. (laughs) Um, um, uh, The erasure here, weirdly, like, made me read it in the same voice that I read, like, Raymond Chandler books in, like, detective novels. Um, it's, it, maybe it's a quirk of my, my own brain and my, my inner monologue, but like, it's interesting seeing something I normally associate with one genre, 19th century Gothic, um, and then experience it as another genre, which is 20th century hard-boiled stuff. Right. And Raymond Chandler was a failed romantic poet. So, you know, maybe that's, that's, that's part of it, but, um. Yeah, it kind of goes back to this idea that, like, the medium of poetry is uniquely situated to reimagine art, you know? Ooh, um,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: um,
1: Put it on the board. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I love all that. Um, I guess one of the things that I was thinking about with this poem in particular, and, and I imagine, actually, I mean, just in general, I would be excited across the, the full collection to see how this plays out, whether it, it continues or whether it. Doesn't I? My hunch is because I, I, I part of not having read the whole thing is I have. I, I remember when this was coming out, um, there was some buzz around it. I had seen poems before, and I was excited about it. Um, so I've you know I've read a number of pieces. What I'm getting at um, is that one of the things that I find in erasure is because you're cutting away so much, it's easy to get maybe abstract is not the right word, but like unspecific, unspecific, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know
0: what you're talking
1: about. Yeah. And, I mean, and part of the way it, it works here is this poem is about the storm and it keeps using the pronoun she. Um, and it's, it's, I think the poem is very intentionally playing with that idea of like, she is the storm. She also could be a person, you know, like there's, there's something yeah. going on there. Um, and I think, Often, I think one of my concerns with an erasure, yeah, is like when you lose that sense of specificity. um, You know, do you get something that's like diluted, watered down, too abstract? Um, And I think it's working in such an interesting way here. Um, You know, that ending, um, all the describing her, um, which again I'm still kind of reading as the storm primarily, um, but it just it's great. You know, (laughs) howling harshly. Uh, you're
0: definitely onto something, because um, I, in Dracula, there's a lot of um, crossing the sea, and there's a lot of tumultuous crossing the sea. Yeah, you're onto something about um, erasure, where it's easy to just, like, make a line sound pretty, um, <laughs> rather than, like, actually, you know, compose a poem. And so, yeah, there's, there is, like, yeah, when I read this poem, I um, I feel like I can... See which part of Dracula that they are talking about, okay, but okay. like you're getting to something that uh that's difficult to do with an erasure, which is like this is actually you know you could interpret this poem uh i don't want to get into meeting making of course, but like you could interpret this poem as like the the, the storm is 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 a woman and and right, and, right. and uh um and uh she is a presence in this poem that is like affecting and, uh, forget the fucking vampire. Like she is a storm, you know, um, uh, and you know, I, I I'll have to read the collection of, you know, see how it fits in the larger project of it all. But like, you know, I think that that is like a really interesting thing to do for a poem. And that's, that's an example of a successful erasure.
1: As you're saying that it's, you know, it's clicking for me, this idea of, Part of what needs to make an erasure successful is that um, the erasing of the original work. Obviously, that it it keeps something of it, but it also, you know, um, creates something not just new, but like that is the voice of the writer of the. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah.
1: It's it is it it is. There's some dissonance when you say the writer of it. You're like, well, you're the composer. Maybe is the better (laughs) right, right. Um, yeah. Actually, I really like that metaphor. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to run with it entirely, but you know, yeah, that you are arranging the words, you're taking the words, you are, yeah, sequencing. Um, it's so damn hard. yeah. If, if you're listening to this and you have never done an erasure, um, I have some yeah. failures I could show you.
0: <laughs> well, the the composer metaphor is uf- is is useful because, um, like. Christ. Okay, so when you're writing music, mm-hmm. you're obviously free to do whatever you want, but there are certain chord progressions that are the same chord progressions over and over again. Right. Um, uh, music producer of the show, Brendan Johnson, and I actually uh, gave them names. <laughs> Some of them. There's the uh, the uh, we uh, named the uh, the Blink One Eighty Two progression, <laughs> which is. Um, for anyone who knows how to read Nashville charts is, uh, one, five, six, four. Um, there's the fifties progression, which is one, six, four, five. Yeah. We, we gave names to a bunch of other ones, but like, uh, when you're working, the point is when you're working in music, there are certain conventions with which you agree to work in notes are notes and, um, harmonies are harmonies and it's different throughout the world. I'm obviously talking about, uh, operating within a Western music construct Mm -hmm. construction. But, um, but then it's up to you once you have settled in on that chord progression that you're using to make it new, to, to make it your own, to make it your own song. And that's what you're talking about with this erasure. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Um, there's no connection here other than just where I landed uh, on the page, then scrolling. Oh,
0: I, I went way off base. So yeah, just just just, just go off.
1: <laughs> uh, I, and I don't even have anything intelligent to say about it. I just we have to like stop and like look at this for a second. On the pier, a small dead seaman was loudly asserting his details into the storm. Yeah, a dead guy yeah, loudly asserting his details. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good.
0: It's really good, and it you know it, it does something that speaks very deeply to my soul, which is a uh, a, a dying sailor declares that he matters. Like, oh I, yeah. Um. What was uh, what was the line that I highlighted that stuck out to me? The the oh the whole stanza. The only God can guide us in the fog, and God seems to have deserted us. That's the title of my next album. That's <laughs> so good.
1: Uh,
0: I knew you were um, going to pick that out. Ah oh, I'm so predictable.
1: <laughs> I stopped it too. No, it's, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, there is, um, there's, there's something to the fact that this, this poem, I mean, really there, there is a tone to this poem that is separate from Dracula. Right. There's, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's its own voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, there's so many things to, to highlight. Um, I, I'd keep us here for another four hours if I'd said everything that I thought sounded cool um, <laughs> a maelstrom, a tempest, another tragedy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah it's uh, it's awesome <laughs> storm was sharp, she dressed herself in her intention uh, oh, yeah. boy, yeah and like, it, it it should be noted in the original text that she here is probably someone who's bleeding out <laughs>
1: Uh, um, um so as a, a Dracula aficionado um what it, what's what's the best uh, Dracula uh, like rendition or, or version in your 1992s opinion?
0: Francis Francis Ford Coppola presents Bram Stoker's Dracula
1: I was um, just recommended this the other day for the first time Have you never seen it? I've never seen it. I know it existed. Holy shit.
0: <laughs> oh, it's so it's so good. Um, now I I'm gonna say something that I never say, uh, but I, I, I it, it applies here. Um, it's not a great Keanu Reeves performance. He was miscast.
1: <laughs> you said it so bashfully that it didn't process for me for a second.
0: Because I love Keanu, and he's perfect, except here. Wow. Um, he has a um, uh, he has a career batting average of. 900 and this, this was his one strikeout. He, you know, it's just not good. Like it, you can't have Ted Theodore Logan is not a good, uh, Jonathan Harker. It's just, it's not, but, uh, scary Oldman is a good Dracula. And, um, uh, Anthony Hopkins is an excellent, um, uh, Van Helsing. And, um, uh, Carrie Elwes is um, a solid uh, Homewood, and um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 gothic, it's it's vivid. It is uh, it makes changes to the book that are actually interesting, and it's solid. I just watched the uh, nineteen fifty eight Christopher Lee Dracula, hmm. and enjoyed that, but like ultimately was like oh, I don't. I don't need to ever watch that again. Um, I just watched Batman versus Dracula, which is excellent. But um, as far as adaptations of the book go, give me Francis Ford Coppola presents Bram Stoker's Dracula from nineteen ninety two. Noted. That's the full title.
1: <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> Noted. Um, all right. Yeah. You've got another poem. You've got another monster. Another movie. Like it's all. Yeah. It's all here
0: oh yeah we're, we're we could run through the universal universe right now <laughs> um but yeah i have a uh, i have a poem about a monster in a movie so a little bit of background on this poem this is uh the wolfman by elizabeth willis this is a poem i love very deeply but um the collection is called turner-esque and is very much a collection involved with talking about art And talking a lot about B-movie horror, which I'll get into a little bit after I read it. But, yeah, just as a background. Um, So this is The Wolfman by Elizabeth Willis. A man with a cane has made a long trip. He's unstrung, coming home. Trapped in agony, he heals in moony thickets. He gives away pentagrams. He tiptoes through fog. He's as good natured as Jesus. An errant son with an aversion to pity, he's reluctant to love. He shoots paper ducks but can't hit the canine. In a plaster forest, he's riddled by replicas. He needs a shrink. He's bound to the gypsy by a terrible necklace. You can't protect everyone from yourself. Continuing my streak of reading poems with problematic language. It, oh. um, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, gypsy is a slur. Right. Refrain from using it. Say Roma. Um, um, but yeah, so this, this collection um, has a, a section called sonnet. It has a section called elegy, but it also has a section. These are the ones that stick out. Called Modern Painters, uh, which is a bunch of paintings based on like J.M.W. Turner okay. paintings, and a uh, section called Turneresque, based on um, Turner classic movies, um, the B movies that would run late at night on TNT. Um, and this poem explicitly is an ekphrasis for the 1932 Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Wolfman, um, where she's, she's just describing it and i think that's really cool that's so that's 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 the, um, that's, the uh, that's the sort of background on this
1: poem that, that that's your entry point um yeah. it it has a, a straightforwardness um, pretty short sentences like a, the rep, there's a repetition going on he this he this he this see this and and yet has such just a a, a layer or layers of, of a, a fog of mystery over it, um, mm-hmm. you know. There's something, um, you know. I, I have uh, Wolfman at least image in my head. I don't remember if I've actually watched this one or not. Um, you know. So and but I you're picturing that... like black and white
0: clouds over a moon, you right? Know? Like a, as you're reading it.
1: Yeah, yeah. right. And, yeah. and I think that's so interesting. Is is that I can have this like pop culture entry point. I can follow along. I can. I can slow down and tell you the story of this poem um but you get to that end and you're just like yeah exactly like it's everywhere there's it's a it's a fog it's a mist like
0: and the fact that it's such a short poem and 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 so compact like yeah like you're saying gives you like an air of mystery and, and you're just like Oh, wait, what are we getting at? There it's called the Wolfman, but there are no actual wolves in a poem. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um all it wasn't the... even a mention of the moon. You know? <laughs> oh moony, there there are moony thickets. There are moony thickets, okay. but no actual moon. Right. Um,
1: but yeah, yeah. All, all of the all of the the danger and the scariness is one, it's like inside, it's interior, um, but it's yeah. it's all <laughs> underneath and, and and waiting for you. you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah it's 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 very um it's very something is coming for you rather than something has has happened to you kind of thing yeah um yeah it it is um it, it is like if you've seen the movie you know what she's talking about like it you know I, I it's been a long time since i've seen the movie but like yeah lon chaney does have like a silver cane i, I think he i don't think he needs it i think he buys it in a uh in a in a market when he arrives home, but he's been away from home for a long time and he buys this cane and she starts it with like, she starts the poem with a man with a cane has made a long trip and he's been away from home for a long time. And you just like, you can read it and and I'm talking about it being an ekphrasis here or an (laughs) ecphrasis, whatever. You can read it in picture scenes from the movie, but there are a bunch of other poems in the series that, like, they're movies I haven't seen, and I don't care. You know, like, I, it, it doesn't bother me. Like, right. I, I can picture the movie when I read this, but, uh, you know, for all the movies I haven't seen, I still like these poems. Right. And I just think that's a really interesting trick, you know.
1: Um, Absolutely. To, uh, well,
0: to I be guess able to do.
1: Thinking of a reach of a connection but uh the
0: same thing we do on this podcast It's reach <laughs> for connection
1: cuz I, I was talking about specificity in a, in uh in um erasure. um and there there is something interesting here in describing this person and that it is true to the movie but there is like enough distance um that there is like, I'm trying to I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: is it, is it that there's enough distance that it's not beholden to the movie, but it's its own thing?
1: Maybe or... that's it. Maybe that's. It. I mean, I guess like, or like because of the title, it it's forcing me to think of it, think of the movie, think of the character, think of kind of the pop culture. Um, yeah, and if of... you haven't
0: seen the movie, you you've you've seen the image of right, the werewolf, like, right? That's that's in your head, but
1: that it's holding back. So much of what I assume and what I know about the Wolfman—that um, mm-hmm. I don't know—that gap is making me think about um, yeah. who's this? Who am I? Who is the Wolfman? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no yeah, I, I, I think you're, I think you're onto something. Um...
1: And, and and it's a sm- small, subtle damn thing. Um, But that we're, he's this, we're describing him, we're describing him, we're describing him. And the last line is, is, uh, you know, in like platitude fashion, not that it is a platitude, but you can't protect everyone from yourself. Um, And that it's definitely very true about him. But we also do have to like zoom out. And like, what does that, what does that mean for us? You know?
0: Right, right. It reminds me of um, one of my favorite Werewolf tropes that I think is a little underutilized. Okay. Um, I dunking. think what was from the. Uh, so you can't protect everyone from yourself. I think the first werewolf movie, the first Wolfman that Universal made um, uh, in like 1921, uh, before Lon Chaney was involved um it might be called something different than the move than the wolfman but it's included in the deluxe edition of the uh, wolfman dvd if you That's buy nice. it. <laughs> um, it's, um and i think it's a part of american werewolf in london too if i'm not mistaken but um it's the fact that a werewolf is destined to kill the one they love most um Ooh. so the idea that when you're in in wolf form you will kill the person you love right. the most. That's who you will gravitate towards, and you won't even know it because you're in wolf form. And right. Like, I just, I fucking love that. I love that idea that, like, if you take the idea of the werewolf as a um, an uncontrollable id and, like, a uh, your worst impulses, and you're going to kill the one you love, like, while you're not conscious of yourself, yeah. like, that is... Oh boy, there's a lot to. <laughs> there. Uh,
1: I, I I agree. That's interesting because that's not part of my vocabulary of of the Wolfman mythology. Um,
0: and yeah, I shouldn't be talking about on the podcast because I'm writing a couple of short stories about it.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was gonna say is uh, is last week, you know, you said the Wolfman would would be the one you would be down to be. It'd be easiest to be because you just lock yourself up in. A, you know in the garage once a month uh but apparently you're still you can do all that effort um it's gonna happen
0: yeah i well i mean you know part of the reason i chose wolfman last week is i am definitely afraid of hurting the people close to me Um, it's fair yeah i
1: am
0: really 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 afraid of you know um not being in control of my own actions and hurting the people I love. And I don't not to say I think those things are gonna happen. I'm just it's it's a fear of mine. It's true. You know? Yeah. Um yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Now we're getting real deep.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's 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 too much soul bearing for this podcast <laughs> I'm gonna have to <laughs> That's
1: what poems do. That's why they're great. <laughs> They get us to talk about our feelings, yeah. which is all I ever want to do.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, isn't that, isn't that bone chilling? Like, the idea that, like, you could just accidentally hurt someone you love while um, being a wolf?
1: As a human being, I can agree with you. That's really upsetting, and I don't want to do that. Um, as someone who is, like, has, I am several hundred miles away from anyone I love <laughs> I I just can't picture it. (laughs) That feels so far away. um, That uh, you're
0: on notice, Kansas City. Bob doesn't give a shit about any of you.
1: (laughs) I haven't known anyone long enough to love them. (laughs) It's it's been three months.
0: All right, we hit that point. We hit that point. Let's get into basketball. We're not talking about the champions. Uh, We're not, we're just, we're just not talking about it. There are genres of basketball players. (laughs) Um, and no, I'm being serious. (laughs) Um, so you all five foot 11 inches of you is you are a big man. Okay. Um, you are, you're a, you're a screen man. You're a roll man. You're a rebounder. You're a defender. There are other genres of basketball player, right? Um, and if you could magically transform your body to become something different for a day, what genre of basketball player would you be? So I I am a wing. I, I can bring the ball up, but I probably shouldn't. Uh, my strengths are mostly shooting and passing and cutting and setting screens, but if I could, just for a day, I'd be a ball dominant point guard. <laughs> um, Not because I want to, like, pad my stats or play selfishly or anything. Like, I don't want to, like, Westbrook triple-double anything. I just wish so hard that for a day, one day, four hours of a run, I could have the vision and handles and command to absolutely control a game. (laughs) Um, I was trying to think of a player comp. Uh, Iverson came up, but I think it's something closer to Luka Doncic um, to be able to like make some moves, take a step back three, make a circus pass, you know, just like, just have the command and vision of the game. So I, I am a wing, but for one day I would like to be a ball dominant point guard. What is, uh, what's your player that you would want to be?
1: You know, my answer probably isn't that different. Um, I don't think you would even need to like transform my body that much, um, like, uh, uh, you know, probably I, I definitely need to be a little bit more in shape, a little bit more athletic, but uh, I just wish I I had any ball control and any ability to dribble, <laughs> um, and and this is not quite the same genre of, of player, and I know you're going to be mad, um, but I mean, like, I want to be Rondo, like... <laughs> I wanna have a pickup game where I'm just completely in control and setting everybody up. Um and just like where I mean, I don't have that basketball intelligence, but I would like to be someone who my physical ability to play is really high and matches the basketball intelligence. Sure. sure. So yeah. Good. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel you.
0: Um you're just now on the record as Wishing you were love, Ronda. Uh, love him. Person who couldn't shoot beyond four feet and screamed homophobic sores at referees all the time. Um, yeah, you're on the record. as that yeah? So that's okay. <laughs> and look like Earthworm Jim.
1: I'm fine with Earthworm Jim. <laughs> fine with that. I, I, there are other things I will. I will not. No qualms with understandable um, reasons to dislike. Rondo. No, I
0: get, I get what you're saying. I'm trolling you. I get, I get what <laughs> I you're saying. You're like, like, yeah, like the uh, that ability to um, he does see the game, and there is an aesthetic to his game that is 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 very nice. So,
1: um, also the, the person uh, who I played against, who does the, the Rondo uh, curl fake with the ball. Just because I
0: stole a move from him, does anyone me. else <laughs>
1: I, it works.
0: Hey, it, it works. Except against Anush, our friend Anouche. He he can he can defend it whenever I, I do it. He always sees it coming. <laughs> I hate it
1: because all of us only have a move at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that is a fair point. Yeah, I I have that. I have the I have the Rondo fake, and I have the fadeaway, and that's about it. Um, that's well. I think we did it. Uh, I think uh, somewhere in there, there's an episode. Yeah. That's an episode. Um, this, this was a fun one for me. Um, I hope it was a fun one for you as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love talking about genre and how art informs art. And uh, this could have been seven or eight hours long. <laughs> um, so I hope you at home listening, or you in your car listening, or you in the bathroom listening, or you cooking dinner listening, also enjoyed this. Um, that's been an episode uh, our music is produced by Brendan Johnson. Our art is designed by A.M. Strickland. And we'll talk to you guys next week.